Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Broken Banquet, a podcast about missions. We are your hosts, Will Bailey and Dr. Ashley Goad, and we are so glad that you have joined us for another conversation about the church and missions, about what healthy mission relationships can look like, and as we hear from others who have dedicated their lives in one way or another to mission work. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. How are you, Ashley? Will, I'm so... I'm so great. Like I'm not I'm not good. I am great because I since we were waiting for so long for you to arrive, right. uh Tamara and I got to catch up and have a lovely chat and yes, did. <laughs> anytime I talk to Tamara, there's just joy that fills my heart. Well, Aw, Ashley. I, I can be late more often for these <laughs> interviews if you think that would be good for your soul. <laughs> <laughs> no, Will. I love you, and I love any any morning that I get to start off with you. Will mm-hmm. is a good morning. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that makes one of us. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Hey, I like your haircut. Uh, it's I have a haircut. <laughs> I mean, usually my it's just shaved, which is super easy. It saved me tons of money over the years. Um, I'm a little bit beyond the point of where I would just do it myself. Like that's it started as a poor college student who didn't have money for a haircut, so I would just shave it about once a week. And so now, anytime my hair is more than a half a centimeter long, people are like, "You look weird. What did you do?" I'm like, well, I have hair. So right now, I have hair, and we'll see what happens if Yolanda and Isabella start making fun of me. I'll cut it off. I like it. Yolanda and Isabella aren't going to make fun of you. Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> hey, who's that third voice we have on the podcast today, Will? Who is that third voice on the podcast today? You do the introduction, so do the introduction. It's Tamara Boone. <laughs> Tamara oh, Boone. I am so excited. Welcome to the Broken Banquet. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you guys, two wonderful people who I have the privilege of knowing. Thank you. Hey, if that's going to be your attitude, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> well, thanks. Because we'll most see how of this the people we first. interview are super grumpy and re- you know uh, reluctant to be here. So it's nice to finally, after 20 whatever episodes, to have someone who sounds like they actually want to be here talking to us. I'm kidding. I don't it's believe that one bit, Will. <laughs> it's not true at all. But we are glad you're here. Thank you. Thanks. Glad where, to be here. Where are you? Well, I am currently in Illinois, Mm -hmm. um, where I've been the last two years as Jeremy. My husband has been pursuing his marriage and family therapy degree, and he graduates on Saturday. Woo woo. Thanks. Um, But then we will go back, our family will go back to Uganda, Mm -hmm. which is where we have lived since 2009. Mm hmm. Well, before yeah. we get too far down that road, Ashley, you you need to tell a story about how you met the Boons. It'll probably involve food um, and the fact that the moment <laughs> you saw them, you knew that you were going to be best friends forever. That's how most of your <laughs> intros go. So, you know. There may have been a walk, too. That's right. Food, a walk, and or beer. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, okay. Two things. One thing first is as we were talking about Jeremy, who is Tamara's husband, here's how much I love the Boons. At 1.43 a.m. last night, <laughs> I get a text from Jeremy Boone saying, I just finished my capstone and submitted. I think I might be finished. Wow. <laughs> so that was that's how much I love Tamara and Jeremy Boone. We don't mind sending her messages at two in the morning. <laughs> Well, and actually, that's the problem that you've created for yourself by having, of course, right now, you these the boons are in Illinois, but you've got these partners all over the planet who just, we send you messages paying no mind to what time it might actually be in Shreveport. So you've kind of created that monster. It's no problem because Molly most often has me up at 1 and 2 a.m. these days. So it really is wonderful to wake up to something from someone I love all the way across the world or even in my own time zone. So, Yes. But Will. Yes. The year was 1997. Food, a walk, and beer. Here it comes. It was not. <laughs> there was no beer because we were way underage. The setting was Appalachian State University in mm-hmm. Boone, North Carolina. I'm pretty certain that your freshman roommate, mm-hmm. Jamie, she and I had introduction to world history <laughs> together. You have a better memory than me. And somehow. And somehow you and I met through that. Like I know that I was in your room a lot, mm-hmm. but then, but then it really just hit off sophomore yep. year because Tamara and I, we were mm. big business. <laughs> we were important mm-hmm. people. We were in the student government mm-hmm. association, and we were mm. on the cabinet. We had dinner at the uh, chancellor's house like every other week. But Ashley got very I will interject and say Ashley got invited back for personal time with the chancellor and his wife. None of the rest of us did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we were big in our I like to business have suits. We wore business suits in college to our business suits all the time. <laughs> Which clearly has stuck with me if you could see what I was wearing right now. (laughs) I'm just thinking about how different your undergrad experience was from my undergrad experience. (laughs) There were definitely no business suits involved. Yeah. And I'm sure we had lots of meals together. I'm sure we went on lots (laughs) of walks together across campus. I know for a fact that we walked in a homecoming parade together and played in a kazoo band. We're just telling you how cool we are. Yeah, really. We would have been such good friends in college. (laughs) We we would have been besties, Will. You would have been right in there with us. These were our humble beginnings at Appalachian State University. It went on through until our senior year because I feel like we were on that academic integrity mm-hmm. committee. Oh my were gosh, we are you kidding? Together? You were on an academic integrity committee? Yeah. We definitely would not have been friends in college. <laughs> I feel like we were on that our senior year. I don't know. Okay, I love all of those Appalachian State memories that we have together. And I remember going to dances and anyway, all those things. But I have most loved knowing Ashley after college when Ashley contacted us what year was that I don't even know 2013 good for you in 2013 and we had this good Skype conversation and she wanted to know all about what we were doing in Uganda and wanted to see if 
her church could come alongside us and support us. And man, the the way that our friendship has blossomed and grown and the way that we have um, just come to really know and love and appreciate each other over these years has been the biggest gift, as you well know, Will. I mean, there's nothing like a partnership with Ashley and First Methodist. Well, and let me say too, in 2013, when I started at First Methodist in Shreveport, and they had the the senior pastor had that uh, vision to create a mission partnership mm-hmm. on every continent. The first two emails I sent on the same Aww. day, like probably within an hour of each other, were to the Baileys and to the Boons. So, which one? Which one did you send first? Actually, <laughs> I don't. Of course, know. that would be your I question, Will. <laughs> I want you to go back in your emails to 2013 and find the timestamp on those two emails. I want to know who's who got the email first. This oh, may be the last it. episode of Broken Banquet. We broke it. We broke it. <laughs> we broke it. You broke it again, Ashley. <laughs> Not only did you break the podcast, but you might have broken everything. No, I'm kidding. Of course I'm kidding. I'm kidding because I know we got out. <laughs> well, I feel like we should apologize to the listeners at this point because the three of us do know each other really well and so you're just getting a glimpse into our lives and what a conversation would be like on a daily basis it's true and can i can i just interject again and say that the reason that will and i know each other well is because of how ashley has really mm-hmm. pulled all of um first Methodist missionaries together and really helped us to build relationship with each other. And that's been such a sweet and beautiful thing um, because I would not have the privilege of knowing Will and Yolanda otherwise, but I do. And I can joke around with them because of the way Ashley's pulled us all together. And I want to definitely get to that, but first I want to know how you got from Boone mm-hmm. to Uganda. Okay. How did that happen? Yeah. So Jeremy and I, before we were married, we were dating. We both spent time separately in Kenya doing different internships. And so when we did get married a few years later, we both had East Africa very much on our hearts. And we were always kind of making ourselves aware of what different mission organizations had going on in East Africa. And God had us in Asheville, North Carolina for our first five years of marriage. But we were always just checking on what was going on in Africa. And um, Jeremy, for his internship that he had done, I think in 2002, he, his major in college was sustainable development. So he was, he was doing some solar water pump repair in Kenya and he had gotten on the internet. And I think he literally typed in Jesus plus sustainable development <laughs> and um, and equip international came up which is our um, sending organization and so he so we knew of them and we were always seeing reading about things that they had going on and through equip we found out about this family that was living and serving in Uganda and we connected with them and they invited us to come join them and I think six months after that conversation we were on a plane to Uganda. And yeah, that was 2009. And since then, we have always held loosely each year our our plans before the Lord. 
but he's continued to let us know that he still has kingdom work for us there. And how much of a role did the local church, local church family play in, in that whole process for you guys? Sure. Were you involved in a local church that was helping you think through this stuff? Was it a different kind of network of friends and family and support that was helping you think through all of this kind of stuff? We that part look like? have always felt so grateful to be surrounded by wonderful friends and family who do support us, but as well as um, wonderful churches. Our church at the time, which is still our sending church, Montreat Presbyterian, it's now Christ Community, Montreat. But they were, we were very involved at the church. And um, I think that was part of the beauty of being sent by them because they really were active in our lives. We were active together with the church and serving with the church. And so it was easy for them to come around us, alongside us and um, send us out. And they have, yeah, they've been such a gift all these years. I remember when we first, so Jeremy and I struggled with infertility during our first few years of marriage. And in um, the Sunday school class we were part of, I think I cried like every Sunday sharing about things, which if you know me, that's pretty typical. I'll always cry about something. That's what I love about you. <laughs> I never have to cry alone if you're there. <laughs> Thank you, um, Anyway, the Sunday that our church in Montreat found out that we were pregnant, that we were in Uganda at the time, they like they made an announcement to the church body and filmed it and sent it to us. And the church just like erupted in this, you know, celebration for us. And um, anyway, really sweet. So, so yes, we have um, had the blessing of having really wonderful church and family friend, you know, supporters through the years. Oh, it's my turn. I'm just sitting here going, oh, I love you. You're so good. Okay. I mean, you're, you're welcome to jump in, Ashley. I've got more, but if Yeah, if you keep going. You're doing great. Your mind. Keep so, on going. We're good. I was going to say, God, it's amazing how ingrained these bad habits can get. Because what I was getting ready to ask you was, so what do you do in Uganda? But what I'd rather ask you is, so who who have the Boons been called to be oh, in Uganda? I love that. That's such a great question. We've been called to be, I would just say, humble Christ followers who are being molded and shaped by God and his work that he has for us because our work has definitely changed over the years. Yeah, we first went um, yeah. with community health evangelism as our primary focus. Um, we were working in slum communities with community health evangelism as kind of our tool set, which has it's a training of trainers with a Christ-centered focus in all of your trainings. And we were really majoring on basic hygiene, sanitation things, but we really wanted to go partner with the church um, as we were reaching out to some communities. And we had a really hard time finding a healthy church. There was just so much corruption in the church institution um, that we found in the communities we were in and 
got to know somebody else who was really struggling in the same way with as he was working with pastors and villages. And so that morphed into us becoming, Jeremy calls us, accidental church planners. <laughs> um, that was not our intention, but we really wanted to prayerfully um, sought the Lord about what it would look like to have mo- a church model that did not rely on Western dollars, on just the model of the Western church. Yeah, so that did end up birthing a network of house churches, which has been kind of what we've lived and breathed, um, along with just core discipleship through that these last 10 12 years. And it's been the best and hardest thing that we've ever been a part of. Honestly, just doing life, you know, so um, closely together with the body of believers and and truly living discipleship, lives of discipleship and walking with people through good and hard. And that's why we're actually back in Um, the States these two years. Jeremy has been at Wheaton College for the last two years and has been studying, like I said, marriage and family therapy, just because through our time in the church, we just kept seeing, you know, kept finding ourselves in counseling situations, which you often do when you're, you know, in church work. And God has always been faithful to equip us, but we also felt a little bit ill-equipped as well. So when this opportunity came available for us. We wanted to come. And um, so Jeremy's been studying that. I've been able to take some counseling courses as well. And yeah, so we're just wanting to go back better equipped to help equip the church as a whole and um, just some counseling resources for counseling and some trauma care resources and yeah, just better love the church. So things have morphed for us a lot over the years and it's just been it's been a humble walk before the Lord, you know, to, to, to ride our supporters again and be like, well, things have changed again and our plans have changed again. And this is what, but just to follow him and to, like I said earlier, hold loosely the, our plans and see the way that he directs and leads us and continues to put things before us. Is the makeup of your church mostly Ugandans and then there's you guys, or is it integrate? Are there other sure. North Americans or, or, or is it mostly expats yeah. or people from other places and then some Ugandan? What does that look like? And which my follow-up question would be, is most of the counseling that you all are doing, is it with mm-hmm. Ugandans that are seeking you all out for that kind of support or, or are there other question. people that are? That um, are yeah, it is an integrated church. We, I think part of our, the, we wanted to help plant this church because of the need we saw in the Ugandan church and the unhealth that we were seeing, but also for our own need. We felt we, our first three years on the field, they were really hard. We saw in the slum community we were working in, we saw a lot of suffering and death. And we had a lot of questions and we felt very um, lonely in some regards. And so um, it was also for our own health, um, just this need for greater community and um, just to be the church with other believers. So um, yeah, God has brought a very integrated group of people together. And 
we now there's now four different churches that are meeting, um, and they all really look quite different from each other. I mean, in not in the core things, but just in the makeup of who's in the churches. One of the groups does, I would say, have primarily expats and missionaries. The the church that we've really been a part of over these last years since we've multiplied out is primarily Ugandan. And yeah, and that was actually a hard shift at first because we had all been together, but our vision was always to to multiply and to stay small and to stay where we could move from home to home and where there wasn't a need for, you know, money being funneled in. And, um, but then it's been a beautiful thing as well to, um, to go through that shift and be a part of that. And so my answer to the second part of your question is yes. And yes, we do. um, (laughs) We have found ourselves in counseling situations with, many Ugandans, as well as many um, missionaries and expats. In fact, I think because of that, we've ended up taking on um, a role with our mission organization, which is kind of a, it's a part-time role, but we have become missionary care. I'm trying to think of what our our title is, but missionary care, member care, that's what it is, member care associates with Equip, helping just to reach out to listen to, walk alongside, encourage, pray with our other missionaries around the world. Well, Ashley, I know that you want to jump in, but I just want to draw attention to one thing that you said kind of quickly and moved along. It wouldn't be an episode of The Broken Banquet if the missionary we were talking to didn't mention Mm -hmm. at some point Mm -hmm. loneliness. Um, That has been probably kind of a surprise, I think, to Ashley and I, or maybe not, but just mm-hmm. how often that comes up, that, that regardless of how surrounded by people we may be in our different ministry contexts, just how pervasive mm-hmm. that loneliness is. And the fact that you guys were able to, to some degree, fix that problem for yourselves by creating this community of other people who might have mm-hmm. also been experiencing that. But um and then also through the kinds of relationships, yeah. and that's what I know mm-hmm. we want to talk about too, is is the relationships with supporting churches, mm-hmm. partners, friends, companions, whatever you want to call them. What does it mean to you as as a family to have access to a church? Oh like my goodness! For Shreveport. <laughs> oh, I don't even know how to put into words, honestly, the gift of having a church like Shreveport along our sides who somebody who really makes you feel seen and known and loved i mean you know ashley started started visiting us at least two times a year (laughs) so she got to like be on the ground with us see our people see i mean that makes such a difference um I mean, we have so many wonderful, lovely supporters and friends who can't ever kind of get that depth, that level of our lives are like when they haven't been to see us, right? So when she was doing this multiple times a year, I mean, she's she really knows our lives. She gets it. Everything we're talking about, she can picture and she and she relays that back to the church. Who then, I mean, then you have these sweet ladies in their Sunday school class sending us cards and notes throughout the year with really informed 
prayer needs that they're covering for us. And that, I mean, that's just one example of the many ways we've felt so seen and cared for and loved. And then honestly, the gift of bringing us together in community with others like you, Will, like you and Yolanda, who we can get each other and share from a level of understanding with each other um, that maybe we can't with others. So there's just been so many gifts of of just that that really feeling known, which is so Christ-like. It's what Jesus does for us, right? I mean, he he looks at us, he sees us, he enters in with us, he he calls us by name, he makes us feel seen and known and and loved. And I think that's just been such a gift from Shreveport and from Ashley and and from others in our lives too that that we've received. Well, evolve is such a oh go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay I, remember that you were going to talk about evolving because what i'm going to say probably i'll edit this out but it just reminds me of you know, the reason why actually i think you and i both enjoy going to the holy land mm-hmm. so much is because the way that we can communicate scripture to people after having been there is mm-hmm. i think different and mm-hmm. arguably mm-hmm. deeper than I could before having gone. And how important is it for the local church Mm -hmm. that's supporting the Boons to have people who can actually go and and spend time Mm -hmm. there with the Boons and walk beside them for a period of time to then be able to come back and communicate to the church better what it is that they're doing. It's that whole, you know, you used to read the Bible in black and white, Mm -hmm. now you read it in color. Well, we used to talk about our relationship with this family in Uganda in a certain way. Now it's completely, Mm -hmm. the way we communicate is Mm -hmm. completely different because we've been there. And of course, there are some churches who just can't. They're not going to be able, they don't have an Ashley on staff or the resources to Mm -hmm. send someone on a regular basis to wherever the the missions are the missionaries are that they're supporting but those who can do it I and mean, you mentioned the depth of that relationship i think it definitely you can't deny yeah that it, it makes such a, a difference. difference in fact um, i want to um say when it was at the end of those three years those really hard first three years for us um we did have a pastor from montreat come over and see us and he <laughs> at the end of his time with us he said, I really want you guys to see a counselor when you get back for furlough. I want to gift that to you guys. And we were like, thank you. <laughs> um, but he was able to see firsthand like the the trauma that we had experienced mm-hmm. and um, and just the hard, you know, places that we had walked. We at that point had gone from zero to three kids in the matter of mm-hmm. six months, which is a huge major transition. We, you know, just, he was able to see firsthand all these things. And then that was, it was, it was that first furlough home um, after those first three years where I feel like God started to bring some healing and, and we did see a counselor and that was a catalyst for some change in my own life in different ways, ways I didn't even know I needed change. So it's just so good to be seen and, to be known in those kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Ashley, talk about evolving. And then I want to know, because there may be people who are doing the mental mathematics to figure three out kids. how you go from zero to three <laughs> kids in six months. Because from what I remember about <laughs> biology class, I have a hard time. <laughs> they're, they're, that, they're that but, um, <laughs> Ashley, will you? Huh. That's true. You're, but in oh, six okay. months, it takes longer than yeah, six yeah, true, months true. for that to happen, doesn't it? <laughs> I love telling that story. I used to tell it all the time here at church of, you know, Jeremy and Tamara, they had been praying about kids and wondering if they should adopt and what they should do. And they they went out to the woods one weekend for a little camping trip to pray. They just ask God what his will was, if he, if, if he wanted them to adopt or to keep trying. And sure enough, nine months later, they had three kids. Two came via adoption and here's Karis. And so... So Gloria, Evan, and Karis pretty much all arrived at they the did. same time. And oh my goodness. Oh. They did. And 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 this mom who had just been longing, you know, I'd been longing to be a mom all my life and just crying out to the Lord. And and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. This is so much. I'm crying out to you in a totally different way now, Lord. No. But, <laughs> but his gifts are good. Yeah. You can. You could write your own psalm book after that. Lament and praise all in one. Uh, I was teaching on the psalms last week. Okay. So I was going back. So evolve is a great word that you used. Uh, I loved I've loved for the 10 years that I've known you in this capacity to watching you all. Like the first time I got to Uganda, I met Jeremy at a place where he had been doing uh, AIDS education, uh, solar power projects mm -hmm. and doing those types of things. But also on that very first trip, it was very important that you all wanted to introduce me to people mm -hmm. you loved, people that had made an impact on you in the community and people that you lived mm -hmm. everyday life with. And I will tell you that that was one of those profound moments of coming back after that trip of realizing that's how we want mission mm -hmm. to be at this church. Because the one thing that has not evolved in your ministry is how much you love mm -hmm. people and the community that you've created with people. And we wanted that mm -hmm. too. So no, what we, we, that served for us as this catalyst of how do we build community just like Tamara and Jeremy have built community in Uganda. How do we make that here so that we're not just supporting the missionaries, mm. but we're supporting the community through the missionaries so that in turn, we introduce people to people we love. Aww. So people we love to people we love. And that's where the whole hashtag, these are people I love, <laughs> came from. Oh, Ashley, I've never heard you actually state that before. Thanks. Yes. It, well, well, I think it's just so true, though, because relationship has played mm -hmm. such an integral role into mm -hmm. who you are and your ministry and, and how it has evolved, how I've seen it evolve is, you know, one time I came and we were you were so big into the Amazima with with Katie Davis Majors, who's been on the podcast mm -hmm. before and and the Bible study group mm -hmm. that you had in Masese. Another time it was making sure that we were at the the church, one of the church plants mm -hmm. that you had in the backyard or at Katie's house and being a part of that, how Kate and Aww. Janet and so many others are the people that you mm -hmm. love in that mm -hmm. area. And I'll distinctly remember at one point over 
the last few years, you saying that you had been in the community for so long Mm -hmm. that you were now the veterans of that Mm -hmm. community. And so how as other missionaries and other church planters were coming into the area, you were taking on more of a role of encouraging Mm -hmm. and mentoring Mm -hmm. them. And then how that has turned into your role at Equip as a member care person. And so I've loved watching you grow in Mm -hmm. that role. And that's something that came alongside here too, of how we began to, okay, how can we care for you all like Tamara and Jeremy are caring for so many people in Ginger? and uh and and equip so i want to thank you just for evolving (laughs) as we evolved because you've been the catalyst for us evolving and for me when i hear evolving like what i hear is that that's just such a healthy indicator Mm -hmm. of faithfulness i mean just think like Ashley, if we were doing the exact same thing in the exact same way today that we were doing when you first met us over a a decade ago, (laughs) I I hope you would have some pretty serious concerns and questions about that, right? But, and and that was something that I got to a point where as, as kind of, to some degree, the decision maker of, it would be really easy to just sort of hit cruise Mm -hmm. control and just keep doing what we're doing. We've got a good system that we've created and things are running really smoothly and I can just kind of sit back and enjoy the ride, mm-hmm. but that's not faithfulness. And so for me, when I hear other missionaries talking about how, yeah, you know, we came here thinking mm-hmm. this is what we were being called to. And here we are three or four yeah. or five iterations later being used for new and different things. I think that's First of all, just for the mental well-being of the the missionaries to to be growing and evolving and and moving and not feeling like you're just Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. trudging through it, you know, Um, I think important as long as you're not starting things and then just walking away from them before it's time because you're ready to start Mm -hmm. something else. And it's obviously it doesn't sound like that's Yeah, Yeah, really cool component about, I mean, the the people group who comprise most of the slum community that we were working in really heavily those first years. They're called the Kamajong, and and they had been displaced from um, northern Uganda, where Kiramoja is. And a lot of them are like second and even third generation individuals growing up in the slum community. They've been displaced because of war and famine. And anyway, in those first years, we really grew to love this people group and to have a heart for them. And that has been able to carry through as our ministry has evolved and as the church has become the primary thing for us in Uganda our love for the Kermajong has not waned. And um, and we've been able to really share that with the church in Jinja, who has also now really grown a heart for Karamoja. And that's where one of the church plants is now, is in Karamoja. And so our churches from Jinja are supporting uh, Karamajong individuals who are going back, who have been discipled, are going back and taking the gospel to this hard place in Karamoja. And um, and we have now like Ugandan brothers who are going and visiting these Karamajong, this Karamajong brother and encouraging him in Karamoja. And anyway, it's been a really beautiful 
story that we couldn't write that, you know, God writes those stories about he weaves all the parts together. Do you remember the first time that you were maybe in the U.S. and going back to Uganda was like going back home? So the U.S. wasn't home, but but Jinja was home? (laughs) Okay. So I've been thinking about this a lot, Ashley, about home, just because... Yeah, yes. Like Uganda has very much been a place of home for us, you know, for all these years. And I think part of that was because our family was really birthed in Uganda. So a year after moving to Uganda, you know, we became a family of five. And and so, so much of us just feeling settled and this is home happened in Uganda. Um, and then it was really our feeling known and loved by this community, by our church community. In fact, so we we come back for furlough every three years, so I can always mark it that way. So it was after our six years um, in Uganda, we had been, there was some really hard things that had happened that sixth year. And, And we came back kind of limping. We were in a really hard place that furlough. But we hit it really well. From, <laughs> from the people that we were coming into contact with in the States. Um, you know, you only see people every three years. You don't want to just spill out all of your stuff. We actually, we do spill out a lot anyway, but, <laughs> um, but we did hide it pretty well while we were in the States, just our brokenness, Jeremy and I were, the thing we were really hiding is we were in a really hard place in our marriage. And we got back on after being in the States for four months or so, we get back on the plane, go back to Uganda. We go to our church community there that first Sunday back and people pull us aside and say, what's wrong? You guys are not okay. And so we were like, we were known by our people there. We would become known. And, um, and then in typical Tamara fashion, I just had a breakdown there in front of the whole church and started crying, <laughs> just went into this whole thing. And, and that was like the catalyst for change for us and growth and this new thing that God wanted to do in our marriage. And anyway, so there's so many components of home in Uganda. But I say that's also a tricky question because now we've been back in the States for two years. And I realize that like so much of who I am is like still tied to this culture as well. And it was actually, even though it was a hard transition, it was, it was a major transition for our family to come to the States for two years. Our kids have never lived in America. It was easy to acclimate here and to dive into relationships here. And so now I'm actually, as we're getting ready to go back to Uganda, I'm in the grieving process of leaving here for two years or for, you know, after our two years here. And so it's made me really think and about just the sense of home. And I think when I am in America, I can be really content here, but I still have a longing for Uganda. When I'm in Uganda, I'm very content there, but I still have a longing for my people and things in America. So it makes me really thankful and grateful that this neither of these places are my ultimate home. And I've just been really reflecting on that a lot lately, just that yeah, it's okay. And it's good to have this sense of longing for another place. And I'm always going to know that. 
always because I've got great people in both places, in both of my earthly homes um, that I'm always going to long for when I'm not with them. But ultimately, hopefully that longing like points me towards my true home, towards Jesus and towards my home in heaven with him. So I'm kind of grateful for that longing that I get to experience. Well, after you had been in the U.S. for a hot minute, and I think Chris and I came up to visit y'all mm-hmm. in Wheaton, one of the things that y'all said was, it's really hard being in here in the U.S., mm-hmm. like just the pace yes. of life, the, the separation of our family going in different directions. So what will it be like now? How are you preparing for the transition back to mm-hmm. Uganda? Yeah, yeah that's a that. good question. I mean, that's definitely something that I'm excited about when we get back to Uganda is the the different pace of life. Um, I mean, not that there's not, I, I would say if you look at like interruptions in your day, if you want to call them that, although they're not really interruptions, you know, I mean, there's a lot more of that in Uganda. That's just the way that life flows there. There's no such thing as calling ahead or um, planning things ahead as in most of the world, right? So, we, we constantly have people coming through our house and sitting at our dinner table with us. But that those are the rhythms that we've grown to know and love over the years in Uganda. But the thing is, we don't, we're not like here. I'm driving kids everywhere. Um, and, and we've taken full advantage of it. I mean, our kids have gotten to be involved in sports and youth group and all the different things that America has to offer. And it's been fun. But I miss, I miss those nights around the dinner table together. And I miss just people just always coming in and joining us around the dinner table. So that's something that I'm looking forward to when we go back. In the preparation stage, it's really, um, it's hard kind of right now to even know what my own feelings are. Because I, I, Mm -hmm. as a mom, you know, I've, um, feel so much of what my kids are feeling. And, um, and then as Jeremy's wife, even what he's feeling. Um, so I'm trying to like see where everyone's at and, and enter in those spaces with everybody. We've got some who are really grieving right now and really crying a lot right now over relationships. They're going to be leaving here. Um, so I'm trying to, just enter in those spaces with my kids and be able to step back as well and realize like, yeah, I'm grieving some things too. It's been nice to be close to extended family for these two years. And, and it's been nice, honestly, to have, um, to be just fed more in church. And, and we've gotten involved and been a part of our church here in Wheaton. God's given us a great church here these two years, but to not have to wear, like, I don't know, have so much responsibility all the time. So I'm grieving some of those things. But um, also, I think I'm also anticipating what God has for us when we go back. And I'm just expectant. I think that's the other word. I'm expectant of what he has because I know that he's going to welcome us back into some wonderful, familiar things that we're going to going back to. I'm so excited you mentioned Janet earlier, Ashley, and I know I love that you love our people. You know and love our people in Uganda. Janet is who we call Jaja. She's our like adopted Ugandan grandmother. And um and I am so excited about seeing Jaja when we go back. She is going to, you can picture it. She's gonna come running up. Yep, she's gonna be like she's gonna grab me up from the ground and pick me up in her arms and shake me all over and give me the biggest hug ever. Um, of course. 
Are you going to cry? Yeah. So I'm anticipating those familiar things, but I'm also expectant of new things that God has for us because we won't return to just, we've been changed in these two years and Jinja has also, and our people there, they've grown and changed and our word evolved in the last two years. Um, so I'm expectant of the new things God has for us as well. <laughs> I was letting you go with it. <laughs> No, I was just thinking about how how cool it will be during season two or three of the Broken Banquet to to do this again, mm-hmm. but with mm-hmm. you being back, having been back in Uganda for maybe a year and yeah. really gotten gotten back into things, to to talk to you again, yeah. just sort of as a follow up to this, mm-hmm. and for people to hear how how things are going and what are the new things that that you go you guys are doing and and all of that, I think will be really. Really interesting. If you would oh sure be willing, I don't do know. That. I don't know if she'd be willing because you know we've been doing this for a long time, Will, and I mean we even got a New York Times best-selling author on the podcast before we mm-hmm. could schedule Tamara. So I don't know. <laughs> oh come on! Yes, I would be so willing to join you guys again and uh... share more stories of God's faithfulness. <laughs> Well, last thing I'm going to ask, last thing I'll ask, last thing, can I ask one more thing? It's a wrap up question. It's a wrap up. (laughs) So here, here at the Broken Banquet, we often talk about what each of us bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll have a really good answer for this as far as what is it that our brothers and sisters in Christ in Uganda bring to the banquet table of Christ that we can all learn Mm -hmm. from and Mm -hmm. grow? You know, when... So I asked I asked Ashley for like some cheat cheat questions ahead of time. I was like, what kind of questions are you going to be asking me? <laughs> and and she did ask me this question ahead of time and then there were verses that immediately came to my mind. Um when I thought about this question, it's 1 Thessalonians 5:16 through 18, which says, "Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." Man, just my brothers and sisters in Uganda, who I see this lived out in their lives. This, um, I mean, I think about one of my dearest friends, I'll call her Grace. She, within the past two weeks, has had to pick up her family and move from the home that they built for themselves in Karamoja because of horrible cattle raiding, because they're not safe. Her her kids aren't safe right now. This is the same friend who a few years ago had to bury a young child who died from a sickness that she contracted. And this is the friend who I sat with after, after she lost that child and who just praised the name of Jesus and who always points me back to just sitting before the Lord, knowing a need for him, praising him. And I think that it comes from just a really deep place of an awareness of a need for Christ. And I think that is one of the biggest things I've learned from her and from so many other Ugandan brothers and sisters mm-hmm. is, um, you know, especially being back in America these two years, it's so easy to 
be self-reliant to like have, we have resources just everywhere. You know, if I have a need, I turn to my resources. I, but man, my, I've just learned this beauty and this simplicity from my Ugandan brothers and sisters who don't have all those resources to turn to, but they have Jesus and they have this deep found just realization of their need for him. And I want to be more like them. I want to know my deeper need for Jesus. So I've learned so much from my Ugandan brothers and sisters. And, and, I, and that is a true picture of, of some of them is, is that they're rejoicing, they're praying without ceasing, they give thanks in all circumstances. And I want to be more like that. Amen. <laughs> How lucky are we that we have been yes. invited to yes. their table? Like I know. You mentioned um, the way that First Church Shreveport has mm-hmm. connected all of us to one another, these different partners that they have. And of course, a you know, a huge way that they did that was inviting all of our families <laughs> on Amazing. This last year. And, and when, when, yeah, it was, and, and we talk about it often, Yolanda and I talk about and remember things from that trip often. And there are two things that, that we remember specifically about you and Jeremy. And one of them was there was one morning and it seemed like everybody showed up for breakfast at exactly the same time. And so there just wasn't quite enough room for everyone in the dining room. And so Yolanda and I got to have a nice quiet yes. breakfast outside with you and Jeremy. And, and it was really, it was one of the only times, because there were just so many people there and there were so many different conversations that we all wanted to have with one another, that it was one of the few times that we actually mm-hmm. just got to sit down with the two of you. And we wound up talking mm-hmm. about the counseling program that we have here in Costa Rica. And, you know, you can kind of, this isn't a reflection at all on the other conversations Mm -hmm. we had on that retreat because they were all amazing. But just in general terms, you can kind of tell when people are listening Mm -hmm. to you, but not really hearing you and and they're Mm -hmm. just sort of nodding along, you know, and and the way that I think we both felt like you were really listening Mm -hmm. to what we were saying. And the way that I think you two could identify with mm-hmm. it because of, of yep. some of the work that you've been doing in Uganda is it's just a memory that we treasure. And then at some point towards the end of the retreat, mm-hmm. you and Jeremy and Yolanda and yes. I had a few minutes mm-hmm. to pray together um, in the, the outside sort of dining area. And we're just so thankful that we had that little bit of time with you guys to do something that is so mm-hmm. vital to our survival uh, and to feel that connection with you two. Again, it's something that every time we remember sort of highlights from that trip, those are two of them. So we're thankful yeah. to Ashley and to First Church yes. for being the bridge that has connected all of us to one another, not only via Zoom, but actually giving us opportunities to be in the same room with one another. So um, we're, we're thankful to, to the church and to you guys for, for being people Aww. that actually. Well, knows. I can say the same. We're so thankful too. And those are two highlights that stood out for us as well. Will, oh man, anybody who has not had the chance to hear from or meet Will's lovely, lovely wife, Yolanda, you guys are missing out. Hmm. Uh, yeah. 
I'm just so grateful for those connections and so grateful for First Church and so grateful for you, Ashley, and the way that you see us, love us, pull us together. Thank you. I do love y'all so much. <laughs> love you guys so much. So incredibly much. Hey, this is a good podcast. We should do this more often. Yeah, this was easy. We probably should start over and try and make it more difficult because this was way too easy. You guys made it so. Yep. Well, Will, I do think about Tamara every single day. Ask me why. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Tell, Ashley, why do you think about Tamara every, every single, single day? Every single day I think about her because when I go to pick up something with this hand, I still can't feel uh -huh. like that little patch that's in between your thumb and your index finger, like right here. Mm -hmm. yeah, so this one time in Uganda. <laughs> I left Ashley. I left her at the clinic. <laughs> Such a bad friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is the story you told on your interview episode about your worst ever life experiences, right? Indeed. I think I asked I asked Ashley if there had ever because we all have this image of Ashley as like this super savvy kind of traveling you know superhero who can just get herself out of a jam you know in a second. I said, have there ever been moments? Right, and I said, have there ever been moments where you felt like, ooh, I might not make it out of this one? And I'm pretty sure she talked about you, Tamara. Yep, yeah. It's when Tamara left her at the little clinic in the middle. No, I didn't leave you at the clinic. I left you at home and didn't take you back to the clinic in the middle of the night. Correct. I was supposed to pick Ashley up at like two in the morning and take her back to the clinic, and. Well, I didn't. For an injection because they had kept the IV like in and it was hitting up against a nerve. And so, yeah, anyway, my hand went numb and there is still a little patch here that I can't feel. And Ashley, is that indicative of how you are normally treated by the people you love? Is this really the note we're ending yeah. on? <laughs> I did. When I woke up, I woke up in a frantic state, maybe like two hours later. And, <laughs> and I came and got her. Like 70 missed calls. Uh, 70 missed calls. I love you, Ashley. I just, and I'm so thankful I that you can you. carry me with you always. <laughs> I love y'all. Tamara, love you. Thank you for being on the Broken Banquet podcast. Thank you guys for having Will. me. Man, what a great Monday. No, this has been so much fun. Yeah, thank you for doing this and look forward to the next time that we can see you awesome. guys, maybe yep. in Uganda. That would be cool. Maybe we can do our follow up episode Sweet. in Uganda. Well, that actually. That's a great idea. Is that in we our broken just is that in our broken banquet travel budget that doesn't <laughs> we could go exist? to every <laughs> single place where we've done an interview? Or with a person that we've done an interview with. Oh, wait, we could make a whole year of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sponsors. Yeah, we got to get those corporate sponsors lined up. Um, but once right. that happens, awesome. we'll be knocking on your door. Oh, love you guys. Love you. It was great to see both of you. And thank you for being on the Broken Bye. Banquet. Bye, guys. You've been listening to The Broken Banquet, a podcast by Will Bailey and Ashley Goad. Music provided by Irene and the Sleepers. Join us next week for another episode. 
He's prepared the table. All things are ready. Come to the feast.